0: You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Well, this morning we are going to continue in our series called More. And I've enjoyed this series, and I really feel like um, in this series what we are doing is outlining God's plan for us to have more. But, but, but even more than that, it's God's plan to grow us. And we see it at different places throughout the Word of God. And so it causes us to stop and pay attention because there's not one person in here, or you shouldn't be that person that says, I'm satisfied with a little. I'm satisfied with lacking or being behind. You really even shouldn't be in a place in your life that you, sat, you say, I'm satisfied with enough. I know that's contrary to some of our thinking because, you know, we, we hear things all the time. It said just be satisfied with what you have. But when we look at the Word of God, what we see is it's God's heart to give us more. And the Scripture we've been looking at is found in a prayer that the holy spirit prayed through the apostle paul to the church really to us and it's found in ephesians 3 verse 20 and it says this it says now to him who is able to do immeasurably more now that's exciting in and of itself that god wants to do immeasurably more and that word immeasurably means bigger than we can count we we count everything We count everything, folks. You count everything, your money, your weight, everything. You count your days, your time, all that stuff. But we're talking not from our perspective, but from God's perspective. And when God says it, it's significantly more than we can ask or think. And that's what the next part of the scripture says. And this is the more that God wants to bring us into and what we're trying to wrap our hearts around as we unpack this series. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than then uh, all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. So God wants to do that in us by his Holy Spirit. And so we believe that there are four things that steps, if you would, you don't have to call them steps, but four uh, pl- a plan that God is bringing us through to see us walk in the more. And we started two weeks ago with the first thing, which is to know him personally, to know God personally. And we see this through the prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 3. and verse 17, Paul prayed this. He said that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And this is the starting block. And we know that this is the work of salvation and so important because without salvation, acknowledging that we are unable to get close to God because of our sin. And our sin carried a, just a, a damaging debt of death to us. But Jesus Christ paid that debt in full through his body and his blood, and he reached down into our sin and pulled us out. But that alone is not what knowing God personally means. Knowing God personally is more than just a salvation experience. It starts there, and it's the most important thing. But knowing God personally means this, is that you allow him to heal your heart. Because there's broken areas of our heart, and some of those things actually separated us from God that God wants to heal Some of us did not know that God is good and God wants to show himself as good. God wants to show himself as the healer. And only in that position, when we know God personally, is he able to come and heal the areas of our heart that we are unable to heal and fix on our own. It doesn't stop there, but it also goes to allowing God to fix our head. Some of us have broke thinking, broke thoughts, because we're attached too much into an old lifestyle. And God wants to do is he wants to fix our minds. And I believe, honestly, that's sometimes where we get stuck at in the process is that we can understand the love of God and and maybe even personalize a little bit to allow him to heal some of the areas of our heart, but our thinking is still way off base. But the third part of knowing God personally is a part I love is that he brings us into his family. He brings us into his family. And why that's so important is because On the earth today, the enemy has worked overtime destroying what family means, what father means. And see, here's what God does when he brings us into his family, is that he asks us to to submit to his headship. Meaning that Jesus is in control of our life. Not us anymore, but he is. But it comes with this beautiful promise attached to it. It's found in Romans chapter 8 that he gives us permission to come to him and to call him Abba, which means Daddy God. And so many of us maybe struggle with that because with our biological or natural fathers, that kind of connection has never been there. But God, as He heals our heart, as He heals our head, He brings us into the family and we really understand what it is to know Him personally. And that's the starting block for this process of walking in more. And then last week we talked about walking in freedom. And I love this one because Paul prayed this one too in verse 18 of chapter 3. That he says that, we may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. That there's something beautiful that happens as we connect into the body of Christ. Only can happen there. We read that in James 5.17, that as we confess our sins one to another, we will be made whole. Listen, we don't confess our sins one to another to get forgiveness of sins. We, get, we confess our sins one to another so that we can bear one another's burdens and grow up into everything God's called us to be. And that's the way that God designed it to happen. But if you remember last week, we dug back into something that God spoke personally to Moses in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. And he looked at Moses before the exile of the Hebrews out of 400 years of captivity under Egypt where they forgot everything. And I I tried so hard to make that a weighty thing because we've never lived under that type of captivity. But if we ever did, we would forget all of our identity and not know who we were. And God spoke to Moses and said, Moses, what I'm going to do is this, four things... The first thing is I'm going to get those folks, I'm going to get the Hebrews, my people out of the bondage of the Egyptians. And the second thing is I'm going to get the Egypt out of them because how many of you know it's not just about physically being free. And so many of us, when we took the step of salvation, we we got free from the fear of our sin. We got the insurance, if you would, the eternal insurance. But yet, we we still have the residual of sin living and resting in us. And what God wants to do is to really make us free. And see, what's really interesting about this is today, if you were to go and sit down with a Jewish family and celebrate a Passover Seder, which means meal, there would be four cups that would be lined out, and those four cups correlate to Exodus chapter 6 and 7. They would drink the first cup where God delivered them from Egypt. They would drink the second cup where God got Egypt out of them. And then they would drink the third cup, and it's what Paul also prayed And what we're going to talk about today, which is walking in fulfillment. Understanding God's design for our fulfillment. And we see this in verse 19 of Ephesians chapter 3. It says, And to know this, this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. See, God wants you to be fulfilled. It's His design, but you can't be fulfilled until you know Him personally, and walk in that relationship of intimacy, until you walk as a free person and you know the identity that He's given to you, then God can make you a fulfilled person. And so today, as we talk about that, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a couple of things. We're going to look at where our fulfillment comes from. We're going to talk about two pitfalls to our fulfillment, God's design for fulfillment, and finally, we're going to talk about how the rubber meets the road and how we do it. Because it's my hope today that every one of us gets a glimpse, gets this powerful revelation of our fulfillment and what Christ Jesus has called us. Because if we do, it will begin to change our life. It will begin to change our life. So let's just look at this. Let's start here, okay? So where does our fulfillment come from? Where does our fulfillment come from? And we see the answer to this in Ephesians 4, verses 14 through 16. We're going to read in just a second. But, it comes from understanding that we've been connected into God's body. And here's why I say this at the very start is because this is the only place we need to look for our fulfillment. If you call yourself a son or daughter of God, then stop looking for your fulfillment in things, and stuff, in relationships. Stop looking for your fulfillment in status, in your workplace. Stop doing it. Stop looking for fulfillment in your relationship with your children or your relationship with your parents. Stop. It's not that any of those things are bad or wrong, or God hasn't called you to, but if it's become the source of your fulfillment, then you will truly never be fulfilled. And so God reminds us again that where uh, fulfillment comes from, and as we define this and we begin to discuss this and unpack it, we have to understand that fulfillment comes from finding how God put us into his body, because that's where our fulfillment will come from. And in Ephesians 4, 14 through 16, here we see this, says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Pause for just a second. Paul is talking here and he's beginning to explain this is what happens when we don't understand fulfillment. This is what happens in our life. And how many of you, don't raise your hand, but just think for a second, have felt this way? You felt like you're just being pushed around, blown around, and you're giving in to anything or everything that's coming your way. Any good idea or, or anything like that. And, and sometimes you've even felt victim to things that were not good. Because see here, Paul is not talking to people outside the, outside the scope of Jesus' love. He's talking to people who have received Jesus. believers. what we would call him, the term we would use. And he's saying, listen, you don't need to be thrown about anymore. You don't need to be pushed around anymore. There's a better plan. Let me define what fulfillment looks like. And here we see it in verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Verse 16, for him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. There we see the the definition in God's design and where fulfillment comes from. See, God doesn't want us to be unstable. God doesn't want us to be unstable. He's given us a plan that counteracts the instability and the things in our life that keep us from walking in fulfillment, and that's to be tied into His body, to understand that He has given us a place in the body, and in that body what happens is that we are perfected in our fulfillment as we grow and as we serve. This is the answer. Here we see the answer. God says, listen, don't look anywhere else. I didn't call you to be unstable. Here's what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put you in the body and you're gonna understand something if you choose to agree with this, that where I put you, if you choose to look to me, keep your eyes focused on me, And to use the gift that I put in you to serve the others around you, you're going to grow up and become fulfilled. Sounds easy, right? So why does it happen? We know it. There's the answer. Why doesn't it happen? And that's what I want to talk about next. Some pitfalls that that hit us. Because there are very powerful truths attached to the idea of allowing God to be more in our lives and allowing him to fulfill us. But there's things that the enemy works overtime in us to distract us from our calling. The first thing, pitfall to our fulfillment, inferiority, the feeling of feeling inferior. When we feel inferior, I've talked to, and listen, I don't even have to talk to anybody. I know in my life I have felt this way. I have felt this way. That I don't possess the gifts and the abilities in my own personal life to do the things that maybe I felt God calling me to. When I begin to compare myself to other people around, what happens is that I begin to have a sense of inferior, being inferior. So here's what God says. In Ephesians 2 verse 10 in the New Living Translation, this is what he says. For we are God's masterpiece... He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Let me break this down for just a second and just kind of give you a different perspective on this passage. Because it cures this pitfall. It cures us feeling inferior. See, what God said in this passage is that long before I was ever born and you were ever born... He looked in not being held by time because he holds time in between his hands. He's not bound by time, okay? Understand this. So in heaven, time doesn't exist the way we know it. And he looked down and saw everything that is. And in 2015, he looked down and it was, maybe he was pacing a little bit. I like to think he was pacing a little bit, okay? He was pacing a little bit, and he was talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. and He was saying, listen. There's something I need done special in 2015. Let me think for a minute. I need an Andy in 2015. And they're going around saying, hey, we've got millions of Andys. Uh, Which Andy do you need? And and he's looking around saying, no, not that Andy, not that Andy, not that Ronnie, not that Ken, not that Tammy. I need Andy Sink in this moment. And what God said, so 40 years from this point, I'm going to, create him. See, because I wasn't an accident, you weren't an accident, you were formed and fashioned in your mother's womb, but God said here in this passage we just read, you are a masterpiece. But listen to this. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we could do good things. You are a masterpiece created to do good things that he planned for us long ago. So why in the world would Feeling inferior, ever stop you from what God has called you to do. Because you are the one person that God created to do the one good thing that only you can do. Nobody else. That was worth an amen. Thanks. It's a courtesy amen. See, you're not hanging in a gallery with other pieces of art, priceless pieces of art. You're in your own gallery. See, God created you priceless, and he didn't put you up to compare against other pieces of of his creation. He put you up in his own gallery, and he goes in there, and he goes, look how beautiful Andy is. Look at what I created. Some of you are going, Oh, that's selfish. Well, then put your name in the void there. Look how beautiful you are, because that's what he thinks about you. That's what that scripture says. So what does that do to feeling inferior? It demolishes it. But the enemy works over time trying to make us feel that way. See, you're more than one in a million. You're one and only. You're one and only. And that's the way God designed you. The next thing is this. Next pitfall. So inferiority and then diversion. Diversion. And there's three areas of diversion. Really quick. The first are the lies of the enemy. Lies of the enemy. In First Thessalonians 2.18, Paul says something very telling here to the church in Thessalonica. He says, "For we wanted to come to you, certainly I did, again and again, but Satan blocked our way. Now, here's the thing you have to understand. I'm, I'm not a big devil fan any of this. I don't like to overglorify the devil. It's very clear that at the cross he was defeated because the resurrection worked, right? If death couldn't hold Jesus, death can't hold us. The plans of the enemy can't hold us. So I don't want to glorify the devil. But know this, that if you're stepping out in the place of fulfillment in your life, you are doing the most damage to the devil that you can ever do. And so he is going to try to put lies in your head that are going to be diversion to you walking in your place of fulfillment. It didn't stop Paul in his pursuit for the church there in Thessalonica, It shouldn't stop us. And we need to just just vigorously stand firm and plant our feet and say, no matter what, no matter what lie comes, no matter if it's a lie of resource, you don't you can't do the things that God's called you to do. You don't have the right resources. I want to tell you that's a lie from the enemy. Why? Because if God called you to do it, he's got enough. He really does. He really does. You don't have the right ability, the right skill set, nonsense, foolishness. That's a lie. Don't be diverted by those things. Don't allow them to be diversions in your life. The second diversion is this the trap of missed opportunities. Romans 2 28 says this, and we know that in all things God works for those, works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Again, I've talked to many people who feel like from different ages and, and backgrounds who feel like they've missed their opportunity. That they may be sensed to call it God in their life, but their opportunity has passed by. But I want you to listen again to this passage in Romans two twenty-eight because it says this, and it tells us exactly who is in control of our opportunities. Please, please, please do not ever fall into the pitfall of missed opportunities. God's not done working and, and, and moving through you yet, but the scripture that we just read says this, it's God who controls our opportunities. He is working out good in your behalf continually. He does not stop at a certain age. He doesn't stop at a certain place in your life. He is continually working out good for you. And when we turn our eyes to the fulfillment that only comes through Christ Jesus, we begin to open up our hearts for those opportunities. We begin to see opportunity in front of us instead of missed opportunities. And finally, the third part of diversion is the fear that failure is final. That failure is final. I love this passage in Romans eleven twenty nine 29. In the message translation, it says this so powerfully. God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty, never canceled, never rescinded. What if I looked at you today and said, failures don't stop you? They can't stop you. That's the greatest failure that you think's knocked you out of the place. And this is the thing that hurts my heart the most when I talk to believers, and I can see the love of God all over them, and I look in their eyes and they say, Well, you just I'm just I'm not qualified. Why not? Well, you just don't know what's happened in my life. You don't know what my last week was. And it, and it just settles something in me. Like, have you ever seen like a, a dog or a cat get the hair on the back of the, their back raised up? Like rawr, rawr. That's what I feel like. Because I know what I'm talking to is not truth, but it's a lie of the enemy. See, because the truth is this, is that the gifts and callings that God puts in the life, he does not revoke them. Why? 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 Because he would be a liar. And he's not a liar. So God in his patience and his loving kindness and his grace and his mercy will reroute your life. He will turn it. He will speak hope into you until you get a glimpse of the truth that failure is never final when you agree with the one who has promised. All right. That's good. Thank you, Pastor Ken. That was good. All right. Let's keep going. Let's lock into God's design for our fulfillment. See, God's fulfillment, so understand this. We understand, but, and, and we see some pitfalls. But what makes being part of God's body so special? Why is it so special? Three quick things, really quick. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that in God's body, God shows value through diversity. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 20. It says, but in fact, God has placed the parts of his body, every one of them, just as he wanted them. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. God values diversity. That means this, is that he needs a lot of different people doing a lot of different things. And when he created you as his masterpiece, as his workmanship, What He did is He designed you to be fit into His body because only you can do something that He has created for you to do. You're an A plus at something. One of the problems that the church has faced over and over again, and if you've grown up in the church, you understand this, is that we have valued the wrong things. We have valued this position and these positions, but we fail to value the people who serve, the people who pray, the people who love, the people who greet. The people who make coffee, can I get an amen, right? Amen. The people who are going out and making cookies and giving them to other people, the people who are thinking about our visitors, all these things. Why? Because it's so important. And God says it like this. If we all looked like me, this would be a boring church, and all of you would be rolling your eyes because you'd be like, oh, he could preach this much better. <laughs> Tomorrow. Okay. would <laughs> be like... If the room was filled with me's, they'd all be critiquing me and going, oh, (laughs) let me up there. (laughs) I'd do it better. See, but as as it turns out, God values diversity. He needs you. And so that thing that you don't think is super important, God said, wait a minute. Who are you to say that how I made you is unimportant? But instead, I need you. And listen to me. It's the church's job to value properly. It's our our job to say, hey, we see you and we love you. But understand this, if it never happens from here, understand when you get to heaven, if you're obedient, there is going to be one heck of a party for you. All right? Okay. Let's keep going. This is what makes God's idea of fulfillment in his body so special. He values through diversity, values through honor. First Corinthians 12, 24-26 says this, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, then every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, then every part rejoices with it. Uh, a few weeks ago, about a month ago, I started doing um, CrossFit slash boot camp, and I got humbled very fast because I went to this class uh, in the morning thinking that I'm just really tough and I realized I'm not tough at all and so there's this thing we do called box jumps anybody ever heard of a box jump before okay and so there's a box so my box is like 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 right there okay and so (laughs) no it wasn't that bad I'm doing box jumps the other day And all of a sudden, my left leg decided to quit. And so what happened to me was just rather devastating, both physically and emotionally, because I wiped smooth out, but as I wiped out, my shin hit the corner of that box and shaved my leg and gave me a gash about this big, and I began to bleed. And I'm on the ground, and of course, my my ego's hurt first, and my body catches up rapidly. But here's what did not happen. The rest of my body parts did not look at my leg and say, dude, what's up? What the heck? Get us up off the ground right now. No, immediately my hands pushed my body up. I got up. I looked at it. I put my hand on there. Nor did my body go and say, man, you are the weakest link in this body. What is wrong with you? We're going to cut you off and try to graft something else in right there. What I did was this. As I looked at the box, and in my body, I said, I'm not going to let this box defeat me, but instead I squatted down. Somebody said, you did that because you didn't lift your legs up high enough. So I squatted down with my leg bleeding, and I said, this box isn't going to defeat me, and I jumped up on top of the box for five more times. Here's what I'm saying to you. This is the way God designed the body of Christ to work. And this is why when we understand where we fit into the body, every part is special. Because when one part of the body hurts, the other parts of the body don't disown it and say, you're super weak, please get out. They go and they tend to it. They love it and they make it stronger because they understand this. The way that they choose to love another part of the body when they're hurt is the way that they'll be honored when they succeed. And the goal is succeeding. That's what God created the body to do. And so as we choose to look at the importance of how fulfillment comes through the body, and we choose to to value and honor one another the way that God designed, we truly become fulfilled people. The third way is this, is that we value through love. So we value through diversity, we value through honor, and then we value through love. At the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the passage just goes into a wacky place, if I could just be honest with you. Because here we see this beautiful dialogue of what the body looks like, and it looks like everything being equal and beautiful. But if I can do this, in 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 30, it says this. Now, you're the body of Christ, and each one of you is, is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all prophets, second, I mean, first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret now eagerly desire the greater gifts? Wait a minute. All of a sudden we move from this unilateral thing of understanding and respecting each other and we move into this hierarchy. This does not make sense. This isn't what God's saying. As a matter of fact, he's saying something even more beautiful. He's understanding the need on which... The church becomes equipped and built up, and there is a need for apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and evangelists. And the positions God puts in the, in the body of Christ to train and equip, that's what Ephesians chapter 4 tells us, and we understand this. But here is the bigger thing that is coming out the Holy Spirit is saying. Let, let, let me go on and, and, and finish this. In First Corinthians 12, verse 13, I mean the last, the last uh, verse there and into, into chapter 13. He goes, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Chapter 13, if you speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Here we go. Because this is the highest value that God really, really protects the most in the body. And this is really what makes the body run. It's valuing love. And Scripture says this amazing thing that we grow as we speak the truth in love to one another. And here we see this lined out exactly what this looks like. Because in the different gifts we possess, there's some people that are going to move in a prophetic gift. There are some people that are going to move in a teaching gift. There are some people that are designed and wired to be more direct. But what tempers every gift, not just the vocal gifts and not just the behind the scene gifts, is love. And when love abounds, what happens is this. Every gift can be magnified and used to grow, to teach, to stretch when we need to stretch. But when love is absent, what happens is this. is The gifts God has given us can be used as weapons. Some of you experienced that before in the body of Christ, and it's a shame, because it's not what God desires. And what Paul is saying here is this, is saying, listen, those things you see, it's okay to desire those things, because you know the one who controls the gift, and he's the one who receives the glory. So go after them, but let this be the thing that guards and guides your heart. Let love abound. Let love abound. This is what makes God's body different and why it brings fulfillment to us so let's wrap this up Justin come on up bud hope you're getting something this morning because it's only in the body of Christ that we can find fulfillment and this is how we do it this is where it starts discover your gift discover your gift it's okay if you're older and you don't know what your gift is maybe you've sat in church for a long time it's okay it's okay It's our job to help you find that gift. But understand this, that you were created special. Psalm 139, 13 and 14 says this, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Listen, you are special. There is something special about you. Again, you are an A plus at something. In this church, what we've done is this, is that we've designed a way to help you, help you discover that gift, and it's called our growth track. And listen, I'm never a proponent of, of a system or a ministry unless it helps you do something that God has asked you to do, which is to find fulfillment. And the primary goal of the growth track is this, and it's going to start in October, and if you've never gone through it, and specifically if you don't know, what fulfills you, how God designed you, how he created you, then you need to be there. You need to be in this this growth track. And it's designed for this sole purpose to help you understand who God called you to be, to help discover the gift inside of you, because when you discover that gift, it's the first step of walking in that fulfillment. Some of you this morning say, well, I'm, I'm not very extroverted. I, I don't know, but what if I told you that maybe that's the way God wired you, and it's, he's wired you that way for a very, very significant, important reason. Some of you say, well, I'm just goofy. Maybe God wired you that way to bring joy. See, but until you know, until you know, until you discover your gift, you're just going to wonder You're going to bounce around and maybe you're going to get jealous of somebody else's gift or get confused or be pushed around like we read in Ephesians chapter chapter 3 there. And God doesn't want that. And remember that it's only in Christ we discover our gift. And the second thing is this, is that we have to develop our gift. And when you discover your gift, and maybe this morning you know what your gift is, but it's time for you to develop that gift. Because knowing, knowing your gift isn't enough to get you in the place of fulfillment. And the question you have to ask yourself is this, is is there somebody around me that operates in that gift that really is just knocking it out of the park? You need to get a picture of what that gift looks like optimally. Begin to develop those things. Begin to stretch yourself. You know, I, I, my, my wife has this... Uh, uh, Amazing gift. Like, this is, let me explain this to you real quick, all right. How many of y'all have heard of Tom's Shoes? Anybody heard of Tom's Shoes? You buy one pair that you give a kid in some other part of the world that doesn't have shoes. My wife can, if, if there's anything related to kids who don't have shoes getting shoes, my wife is going to ball like a baby. It doesn't move me. I don't know why. It just doesn't do that. And my wife loves that. When we were in Los Angeles, um, the Lord put her in a position just miraculously it was it was crazy school system there 600,000 kids think of that come on PNG ISD in Neerland 600,000 kids in the LA unified school district powerful powerful mission field man come on and in our little school there that was part of that school district our kids went to there was a Jewish lady who was a principal and they had a PTA and my wife started out in the PTA, and within the second year, she was the president of the PTA. Just because of the favor of God, just because she, she said yes to some, some gift, the gift mix in her. Because if you know my wife, she's like kind of a take-charge person. She doesn't like AZ. She likes B-C-D-E-F. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm Z. am like, we can do it. We can take the mountain. She's like, do you got rope? <laughs> I'm like, do we need it? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. All right. And so what happened was this, is that Christmas came around and and there was this guy in the church we were going to who took bicycles and and rehabilitated bicycles to give to kids. She said, you know what would be awesome is if we took some of these bicycles, bought some bicycles, we found the kids in our elementary school that do not have anything for Christmas, and we make sure they get a bicycle this year. And what we found out was that there were kids sleeping in cars. Kids who hadn't eaten that count on their school for their only meal. That we were able to connect with just a simple, tangible way. Saying somebody loves you and Jesus loves you. But it took connecting the gifts and taking a step and saying i know there are so many loopholes so many obstacles that we're going to have to go over to do this to step through and begin to discover your gift what am i saying to you right now if you know your gift step out step out hey failure is not final if the only thing that's scaring you from stepping on your gift is failure understand you don't hold your failure in your hand. Only God does. And he says it's impossible. Step out. Step out. Step out. And use your gift. Use your gift. Serve somebody. If you don't know where to step out this this morning, but you say maybe I have a gift, use your gift. I'm thankful for the people that just so quietly and just constantly just do things that they take and they they show up. I'm thankful for gift bags that show up every week for, for people who I can get up and just say, Hey, if you're a guest here, somebody bakes bread and puts those together and puts those in a bag. What, how amazing is that? What's happening is that this is how we use the gift is that we serve the body. When you pray, you're serving the body. You're using your gift. When you encourage, you're serving the body. You're using the gift. All right. All right. Let's stand to our feet. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for every person here, Lord. And I just want you to make uh, the altar right in front of you. Just What that means is this. If you don't understand what that means, you, sometimes we, we call the front the altar where we come down and Maybe you receive prayer from somebody here or ministry team or one of us. Or, but I, I believe the Lord just wants to make the altar right where you are. Because I just believe the Holy Spirit wants to deposit just a real sense of fulfillment in, in every person's heart. And it comes just specifically through this truth that you are a masterpiece. That you are a masterpiece. Man, I, I, if, if we catch that revelation, watch out. Watch out. Because, listen, it doesn't stop in here. It goes out past these walls. So let's just pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you in the name of Jesus right now. Lord, I do not care. I do not care. And I speak this very boldly, what anybody's yesterday was like here. God, I do not care if it was the biggest failure that they ever faced in their life. God, in you, there is not a failure that limits us. So, Lord, I declare freedom from that in the name of Jesus. Lord, if there's freedom they need, Lord, in their mind or in their heart, in any position, God, just release that in the name of Jesus. But, Lord, let the significance that only comes from knowing that you have created each one of us here as a personal masterpiece, as your workmanship, that you designed it for this very moment, Lord God, at this place, at this time on the earth, Lord, For it to be so, to do good works, God, that you created long ago for us to do, God, that only we can do. And so, Lord, let there be an active agreement right now between that truth and us saying yes to it, Lord, that we're going to step up into that revelation and begin to live as fulfilled people who acknowledge what you're doing in us, who acknowledge what you've called us to be, who are going to be fearless people that are not going to allow... Any kind of any kind of divergence, Lord God, to hold us back. Hmm. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just feel like the Lord's saying this, just take your take your eyes, take your eyes off of the impossibilities. Just take your eyes off the impossibilities and just begin to look up into him. Just begin to look up into him. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for what you've called this body to do. Lord, I thank you for what you've called this body to do, Lord. Lord, multiply it in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And hey, listen, do me a favor before you leave. Just... Love somebody. Let's do what the body was created to do. Just love somebody. It's okay if somebody's not comfortable taking a hug, shake a hand. But before you leave, check out our life groups before you leave. Have a great week. We look forward to seeing you Wednesday for our time of worship and ministry.